Good morning. Well, we are your missionaries, your church planners to New Albany, Mississippi. This is my lovely wife, Lisa. Uh, she travels with me when uh, she is able, and uh, glad that she could be here today. Uh, we had a good evening last evening. Appreciate uh, Brother George and Sister Kay taking good care of us and, and uh, carrying us out to eat and chauffeuring us around, seeing some of the sights. We, hey, we got to go to Bass Pro Shop. That's always a good trip. So we, we were able to go there and enjoyed that. Uh, we... Uh, I thought I'd tell you a little bit about us in this first service. In the second service, I'll tell you uh, a little bit about the work in New Albany and what's going on. Uh, Sister Lisa and I, we, um, we are Mississippi folk. We grew up just outside of Tupelo, and uh, we went to rival high schools, if you can imagine that, and uh, wound up meeting, and we've been married now for 37 years. <laughs> That was a question mark, 37 <laughs> years, I think. Is that right? That's, that's close. Okay, that's, that's close. I have to stop and think, well, we married in 84, and I have to count it up, you know. So uh, We have three children. Uh, our oldest is 30. Our middle child is, she's 27, right? She's 27. Our youngest is 23. Uh, the uh, two of them... Uh, don't live in the house with us anymore, the oldest two, and uh, our daughter is married now. Our 23-year-old son still lives with us. Uh, please pray that he would move out. <laughs> we would appreciate it. Uh, but he's still there with us. Uh, we love him, and, and uh, we named our boys after preachers. Our oldest one is John Wesley, and our middle one is Benjamin, our, our youngest one is Benjamin Randall. So, uh, we, um, uh, we both went to school here in, in Mississippi. I, uh, I went to, uh, Lisa went to Mantachi High School. I went to Morville High School. And if you know anything about baseball in the state of Mississippi, Morville has been a, a baseball powerhouse for uh, decades uh, now. Uh, but I uh, went to school at ICC. I went to school at Ole Miss and Mississippi State, so I can claim either one and both and usually do. Uh, we uh, also went to uh, Wesley Biblical Seminary right here in Jackson. So. Uh, I spent uh, about uh, one to three. I did one to three there, I think. Uh, Lisa thought I, I would never get out of school because I changed majors, and I, I took five years to get a four-year degree and then worked for three years on a master's degree that I never finished. So, uh, The last time I was in church here, and believe it or not, I have been here before, but J.L. Gore was your pastor the last time that I was here. Uh, so that, that has been... That has been a week or two, uh, but Brother Gore was a friend of mine and a mentor, uh, and uh, when we went to New Albany to start a work there, and I said I was going to talk about this later, but when we went, we went to start a work there, uh, we used the same pattern that I had seen him do starting churches in Mississippi. So we started with a, a Bible study in our home, and uh, we had, I think, 17 at our first Bible study in our home, and our home just wasn't big enough to accommodate that, so we, uh, we found an alternate location. Uh, and started. We started in 2019, and uh, we're still going today. Uh, I've got a fellow preaching for me this morning up there who's actually uh, is within our church family there. Uh, he came on board and um, has been ordained now as a free will Baptist pastor in the state of Mississippi, so he is ordained, uh, and he fills the pulpit there 
uh, when we travel. Uh, anyway, we are your missionaries. We are Mississippi State missionaries, which means the state of Mississippi churches, just like your church, uh, you guys are the ones that support us. Uh, your gifts, your offerings, uh, that's, that is what enables us uh, to be on the field and to do what we do. Uh, we are in construction right now, and I will, I'm going to tell you more about that a little later on. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me, please, to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter number 4. I'm going to start reading at verse 10. And Brother Romines, are you the only one back there? Rodney, right? That's, that's Bill and Rodney. Okay, I'll get the names right. All right, Bill, I'm going to read verses 10 through 12, Bill, and then I'll pick up at 13 later on, and we'll go down through verse number 20. All right, Philippians chapter 4, verse number 10. If you have that and you're able, would you stand with me this morning out of reverence for the reading of the good word of God today? Philippians chapter 4, verse 10, the apostle Paul writes to the church at Philippi, and he says this, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and to abound. Uh, everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this church family. Uh, thank you for uh, the founding of this church and what it has, it has meant uh, to this community and to this state uh, down through the years. Father, I thank you for uh, the opportunity to be here to preach your word. Thank you for the good pastor and his wife who leads this congregation. And God, I ask now that your blessings uh, might flow upon them. I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would show up this morning and be the real preacher, the real teacher. I pray that your spirit will guide us into truth this day. And I pray that your word uh, will, will resound within us. God, anoint me to preach this morning. Anoint your people's ears to hear this day. And God, may we rejoice, as Paul said, in the fact that we have come this way this morning. God, we're not here by accident, but you have brought us together. And I pray, God, that you will accomplish your will through the reading of your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. A man by the name of George Herbert, thank you, you may be seated, by the way. A man by the name of George Herbert, he was a 16th, 15th, 16th century uh, orator, theologian, clergyman, and poet. And he wrote a poem entitled Gratefulness. And the opening line of that poem is what caught my attention. Uh, because it says, Thou hast given so much to me, give one thing more, a grateful heart. Thou hast given so much to me. Now, how many of you can say that this morning? You can say, I'm blessed. God's given so much to me. He has, he has blessed us in so many ways. He said, though, give one more thing, a grateful heart. And I hope we can take a few moments this morning to develop that idea of a grateful heart. Paul did. Uh, this message I, I titled, God's Provisions for the Church Planter. God's Provision for the Church Planter. And chapter 4 is somewhat of a recollection of Paul's life and of his ministry, of his travels, of his struggles, of his triumphs, his successes. It's kind of a, a little compendium of his life, if you would. 
as he looks back over his ministry of planting churches and he thinks about how good God has been to him, how God has made provision for him, and how God has blessed him. And I noticed some things about that. Uh, God's provision for the church planters sometimes come directly from God. I mean, no one else can take the credit. God sometimes directly intervenes into our life, into the life of Paul, into your life, into my life. He sometimes just directly intervenes into our lives and bestows on us a provision or a blessing. That's the reason Paul can say in verse 13, and this is one of the most uh, well-known verses in all of the Bible, uh, where he says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. In Exodus chapter number 16, the children of Israel have left the land of Egypt. God has set them free. And they have begun their travels. In Exodus 16, Israel comes into the wilderness. But the wilderness is what it is. It's a wilderness. It's not a place where there are abundant uh, fruit trees and there are abundant things uh, that naturally occur or natural resources. There's just not all that kind of thing to be had. And so they reach a place in the wilderness where they are in desperate need, brother Aaron, of provisions. And so God, as he often does, he directly intervenes into the life of the nation of Israel and he meets their need and provides provision for them. Now let's pick up in Exodus 16, verse 14. It says, And when the dew that lay was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness there lay a small round thing, as small as the hoarfrost, that is the gray frost on the ground, and when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, It is manna. You know what the Hebrew literally translates to right there? It translates to, What is it? Because they've never seen anything like it. This stuff is just, it's come down from heaven, it's there on the ground. They've never seen it before, and so they look at it, and I'm, I'm sure they look at Moses and say, Okay, God's good and he provides for us, but what is it? The next phrase clarifies that, for it says they wist not what it was. In other words, they had no idea. And Moses said unto them, This is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. So God in the wilderness makes a direct provision for his people. No one else did it. No one else can claim credit for it. And Jesus later reminded the nation of Israel of this event. Because evidently somewhere along the way, uh, the story, the history had changed and someone had credited Moses with the giving of the manna in the wilderness. Evidently somewhere along the way that happened because Jesus said in John 6, 32, uh, Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, that means truly, truly, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven. Moses didn't do that. And Moses can't take credit for it. God did that. Then he said, but my father giveth you the true bread from heaven, and he is speaking there of himself, that he is the incarnate son of the living God. He is God in the flesh who has descended to earth through the Virgin Mary who is born into this world to give his life as a ransom for us. And so Jesus reminds Israel in John 6 that the manna which was given was not given by Moses, but rather it was through direct intervention of God. 
Now you may have seen the, the little cartoon. I snigger at it every time, snicker at it every time I see it. But uh, it's a little meme you may have seen on Facebook. But there are two little boys, and they're little country boys, and I know that because they're wearing overalls, okay? I love me some overalls. Two little country boys standing there. They're in their overalls. They're looking up to heaven, and one of them is speaking, and he says, I know that was you, God. I know you did that. Thank you. Thank you. You know, it never hurts to be grateful. It never hurts to have an attitude of gratitude. And that's really what Paul has. And this is his way, I believe, of saying, God, I know that was you. I know that I went around and I I planted churches and I did that, but I didn't do it alone. And I can't take the credit for it. God, you did that, and I know it was you. And by the way, God, thank you. Thank you. Crosswalk Church, by the way, that's the name, Brother Aaron, that we chose for our church, Crosswalk. Uh, we, we thought about a lot of names, and we looked at a lot of different names, and every time we found a name that we really liked, we find out someone else already had it, and so we didn't want to confuse people. So, so we, you know, I come across a verse of Scripture where it talks about walking with the Lord and uh, taking up our cross and walking with Him daily, and I thought, crosswalk, that's, that's what we can name our church. Well, we thank God for his provisions. Someone once asked me, what's it like to be a church planner? I, I can give you a, a little idea, uh, but let's say this morning uh, you, you are ready to go to church and worship. Brother Aaron's got his message done. He's ready to go preach. The anointing of the Spirit's there. He's ready to go and speak the Word of God, and you get up and you're ready to go, and then you realize, well, I don't have a church. And then you think, well, I'll tell you what, I'll go over to, my, to the building and I'll get down at the altar and pray, but then you remember you don't have a building. That's what it's like to be a church planner. You go to a new place, you don't know anyone, you don't have a congregation, you don't have a church, you don't have anything. You start with nothing. And I realized when we did that 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 was more than we could do. I've been a pastor for 30-plus years. I have never been a church planner. This is a completely new calling for us. And I thought, Lord, we can't do this. We absolutely, we cannot do this. We're going to have to have some help. And Lord, you're going to have to help us. And he does that. He has done that. He continues to do that. He sends his revisions. Let me share one, one with you this morning. Brother George will be well aware of this. Uh, we, uh, we, uh, we drew up plans and we were ready to build in 2020. We, we got ready around March of 2020. We had all the plans done. We had the architect. Everything's drafted out. Everything's ready to go. We put those plans out for bid. And a building that we had estimated would cost us a half million dollars, which was twice what it cost the last people who built that. But we're building in a different place and at a different time. And so we put that thing out, thing out for bid, and it, the bids came back, and they were over a million dollars. That's twice what we thought we would have to pay to get the building built. And so at that point, we can't do this. We don't have a million dollars lying around. I wish we did, but we don't. We don't have 500000 lying around. I wish we did, but we don't. But we, um, we totally had to reformat. Uh, COVID hit right about that time. The prices of labor, the prices of materials, everything skyrocketed. So we, we had to downscale the building 
and go into a smaller uh, type facility. Well, we had a church property uh, not far from here, up, up at Madison, uh, that some people had been renting that property uh, from uh, the, the state mission board, and, and they had been doing that for quite some time. And no one had even considered or thought about they would just leave the property, but they did. And when they left that property, we were able to put that property up for sale and sell that property. Now, that didn't solve all of our issues as far as financing the new project, but I can tell you this, we're closer today than we've ever been. Amen, God. But that was one of those God things where he just stepped in and he made a provision for us. Paul had learned as he went out and planted churches, as he went out and started, that sometimes God just comes directly and intervenes. And therefore, he can say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because God has met his need time and time again. And I'll bet if you've walked with the Lord Jesus for very long, if you are his disciple, you have followed him, you can trace back over your life and look, and you can say, yes, God made a provision there for me, and there for me, and there for me, and no one else did it. It had to come directly from him. Paul had learned that, that God provides for his people. Have we learned that, though? Have we learned that? Provisions from church planners sometimes come directly from God, and sometimes they come from people he raises up to help. Look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 14. Notwithstanding, you've done well that you did communicate. And the word communicate there is interesting because in the Greek language, it is two Greek words kind of stuck together, and the, and the Greek language does that sometimes. But it literally means, if I were literally going to translate it as best I could, I would say share together that you did communicate, it means a together and a sharing together, that you share together with my affliction. Now, you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, Greece, uh, no church communicated, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. Uh, for even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again into my necessity, uh, not that I desire gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, and a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Now, God provides in the smallest of ways and in the largest of ways. Uh, in Exodus 16, he directly provided the manna. I'll share something interesting with you about that. I meant to share that a second ago, and I kind of skipped through it. But did you notice that it talked about the dew falling and then the manna? I'll show you how God provides in the smallest of ways, how he attends to every need. If you read on further in Exodus 16, you'll find out that the manna, when the sun comes up and, and, and gets hot, the manna melts. Because you're in, you're in a wilderness, desert kind of area, the ground there is hot. And so God sends the dew first, which cools the ground, and then the manna falls on top of the dew that God has already sent to cool the ground so that the manna will be able to stay there until the children of Israel get up and take care of it. Now, that, that's direct provision. But now, sometimes it's people. If you take the next chapter, in Exodus chapter 17, 
we are told that Amalek, the tribe of Amalek, the people of Amalek, came out to fight with Israel. And so Moses told a fellow by the name of Joshua, Joshua, I want you to get together some warriors, and I want you to go out and to fight with Amalek. And when you do that, I'm going to go and I'm going to stand up on the hill and I'm, I'm going to take the rod of God. Remember, that is the rod that God gave to Moses. And I'll hold that in my hands. I'll hold that rod up above my head. And when I do that, then you'll prosper in the battle. And that's exactly what happened. Joshua took soldiers. Uh, Amalek came. They attacked. Uh, they provoked. Israel defended themselves. Uh, but they go out to battle. Uh, Moses is on the hill, he takes the rod, he holds it above his head, and as long as he's doing that, then the battle goes well. But when he drops his arms, and, and you know if you hold anything that has any weight to it, if you hold it up for long enough, you're going to start tiring, and your arms are going to start coming down. And that happens with Moses. He's tiring, his arms start coming down, and when his arms come down, then Amalek starts to prevail on the battlefield. Well, at this point, there are two people with Moses. One of them is his, is his brother Aaron, and the other one is a man by the name of Hur. We find that they have went up to the top of the hill with Moses. Now, in Exodus 17, verse 12 says this, But Moses' hands were heavy, understandably so. And they took a stone and put it under him, that is, Aaron and Hur, and sat thereon, and Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek, in other words, he prevailed, and his people with edge of the sword. In other words, they successfully defended themselves. I can tell you this, when you need help, the thing to do is pray. Pray. And when you pray, God may send direct provision and when you pray, God may send a person into your life to help you. Now, he's done that with you, hasn't he? I know he has me. God, through the years, has consistently sent people into my life that were direct answers to prayer in order to help us accomplish the work of God. And he does that normally in any church. You, you normally have an Aaron and a her, someone who comes along beside you, and when you're weary, they lift you up. And they help you to succeed in what God has given you to do. Now, like I said, when we went to Crosswalk, uh, there was no Crosswalk Church. It was my wife and me uh, and my son, uh, there, my youngest son. It was the three of us who went there and who started. And I, I can tell you this, I prayed a lot. I prayed a lot. I asked God very frequently, very often for help. And after a little bit of time had passed, uh, we realized kind of the scope of what we had gotten ourselves into, and we started praying. And then I got to thinking, well, you know what? Uh, we need someone to support, someone who does those things, uh, those uh, tangible kind of, kinds of things to help. And uh, God sent my wife. Because my wife, my wife is the lady where the church says, hey, we decided to have a supper Sunday night. She'll be the one that says, I'll cook it. I'll take care of that. Uh, you need that kind of support. And I realize days like today, I'm going to be traveling. I'm not going to be there. What's, go, what's the church going to do? How, you know, how are they going to meet? I need someone who can at least teach a class or someone who can preach. 
And God sent us along uh, Brother Michael and Sister Kathy. Brother Michael had been a pastor. He pastored a non-denominational church not too far from uh, where we now live. And he and his wife came along, and Brother Michael, he's able to preach and teach, and he does an excellent job. So this morning while I'm here, he's back at Crosswalk, and he's preaching to our congregation. Uh, he came on board with us, he and his wife. Uh, they, um, uh, they not only joined the church, but they, uh, he applied to become an ordained free will Baptist pastor. He has been ordained since that time. And uh, when I'm not there, that, that's all taken. I never worry about that. I never, I never stress about that or anything because I know God has taken care of that. Uh, we needed musicians. For years, I led music. For years, I did singing. I, I've been a music director, choir director. I've done all that for years. But as you can tell this morning, my voice has started playing out on me. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it comes and goes now, and I'm not really able to lead music. I can't sing anymore because I can't hit all the notes uh, as I once did. Uh, so God sent us Emily and Ben, uh, a 23-year-old and a 17-year-old. Emily plays a rhythm guitar. Ben plays a bass guitar. And if you've ever watched one of our services on Facebook, you'll see Emily and Ben leading our worship music. Uh, God sent those uh, two young people to us. God knew that we needed children, so he sent us Natalie and Julie and Carrie and John and Kinsley and Michaela. And we've got kids running around everywhere. We needed wisdom, so he sent us a very mature couple, a couple that has a lot of experience uh, and down through the years, and, and Joe and Emily. And I, I can tell you, you you've, if you've ever been in a Bible study with Brother Joe, you'll love it because he is very insightful. Uh, when we do uh, scripture study, and we do that every Sunday evening, uh, I preach on Sunday morning, and Sunday evening we do a Bible study, and uh, Brother Joe, uh, he always chimes in with some of the greatest observations. He, in other words, he's a joy to be in a Bible study with. Uh, the Lord knew that we needed someone around the church who had character, and I'm talking about someone who just makes it fun to be in church. They're just fun to be around. And God sent us Steve and Gail. Uh, God knew we needed family, and he sent us Ben and Seth and Brittany, uh, our own son and daughter and our son-in-law who are now there with us. Uh, we needed someone with building expertise because uh, I told the board a long time back, I'm a, I'm a pastor, I'm not an architect, and I'm not a builder, I'm not a contractor. Uh, we're going to need someone to help, and God sent us a guy by the name of Laren Dye. He's a Free Wolf Baptist fellow. Uh, goes to Journey Community Church, uh, Free Will Baptist Church in the Boonville area. Uh, God sent him to us, and I can tell you, he has helped us immensely. We wouldn't be where we are today without, uh, without him and without his expertise. We needed prayer and financial support. Hey, God sent us folks just like you. I'm telling you, God not only sends direct provision into our lives, but he also places people into our lives to help us along the way. God will not send us more people. And I heard this statement, by the way. I served on the Alabama State Mission Board for a number of years, and I don't remember if this was a, at a state missions meeting or if it was in a board meeting, but someone made this observation, and it has always stuck with me. Uh, they said this, God will not send us more people if we aren't thankful for the ones he's already given us. That makes sense. God won't send us more people unless we are thankful for each other, unless we are thankful for the ones he has already sent us. 
And we need to be like the Apostle Paul. We need to cultivate a heart of gratitude and a heart of thankfulness for the people that God brings into our lives. And I, I can tell you, I wouldn't be here today if God hadn't brought people into my life because I was on the wrong path, the wrong track. You've heard of the black sheep of the family? That was me, headed absolutely in the wrong direction. But God sent people into my life to be my friends. Now, here's the thing. When God sends people into your life, you've got to accept those people into your life. If they're going to help you, you've got to accept those people in. But when you do that, God has a minister. He has an avenue into your life where he can use another person to be a blessing for you. Now then, God's provisions for a church planner sometimes come directly from him. They sometimes come from people that he raises up, people like Aaron and her, to help you along the way. And then sometimes God's provisions are sent to those who help plant churches. Look at verse number 19. Philippians chapter 4. Another very famous verse in this portion of Scripture says, But my God shall supply all your need. All your need. Now think about this. I mean, the door has just opened here. It has turned on the hinges. Paul has been expressing his gratitude to the Philippian church for their help in his ministry, for their help in helping him plant churches in other areas. But now he turns this whole thing and says, by the way, the same God who has provided for me is going to provide for you. But my God shall supply all, and he doesn't say all my need, he says he's going to supply all your need, all your need, according to his riches in glory. Now unto the God our Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. Some years ago, I pastored a church that was resistant that's, a, that's as good a, that's a, brother Aaron that's as charitable a word as I know how to use they were resistant to missions and supporting missions and so I became the pastor of this church and I can remember sitting down with the board and talking with them and I had a concern I had several concerns about things that the Lord was prompting me to do in directions that I thought he would have us to go but I remember asking them about missions and they said, well, preacher, we just can't afford to give anything to missions. We can't afford it. And I looked at the chairman, and I told him this. I said, you can't afford not to. We cannot afford not to. Because if I understand it correctly, the Great Commission means that we're supposed to go into all the world. We start here and we move out. And that's part of moving out into the world. And so I told, I told them, I think, first thing we need to do, the state at that time, uh, well, it still does, uh, has a missions conference every January. And I said, if it's okay with you guys, I want to be involved with that missions conference. We're going to bring a missionary in, uh, maybe two, and uh, we're going to let them speak to us during that month. We're just going to challenge our people to give to missions. And so uh, we did that, and we did that every year that I was there. And every year I, I always said, well, I'm going to take fewer missionaries because, Brother Aaron, I can tell you, at, at that church, when you said next Sunday a missionary is going to be here, it was like the exodus had occurred. They wouldn't show up. 
Because they didn't want somebody to say, hey, we're out here winning souls for Jesus in a different place, and we need your help to do that. They didn't want to hear that. And they didn't want to feel guilty about it. But anyway, we joined the missions conference, and every year I said, I'm not going to take as many as I took the year before, and every year I took another one, you know, and I kept adding on, uh, bringing in more and more missionaries. Uh, of course, now, to be honest, I was always, you know, uh, What's, what's the word I'm looking for there? Always careful about that because I didn't want to overburden our folks. I, I didn't ever bring in tons of people. Uh, but I also asked them, I said, hey, can we once a month, can we take a missions offering? I said, it's not going to cost you anything out of the church budget. It's money you don't have to start with. You don't have it anyway. Can we just once a month? And so we started that. And guess what happened? When we started obeying the Great Commission, when we started focusing outwardly, and I can tell you the quickest way to kill a church is to focus inwardly, when we started focusing outwardly and started looking to what we could do in the community for how we could, we could help missionaries and how we could do other things, when we started doing that, guess what happened to our church? It started growing. I figured that out. Hmm. If you do what God says, God blesses you. If you just do what He says... He will bless you. Jesus said in John chapter 4, Say ye not, there are yet four months, and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already. They're already white to harvest. When we minister to others, that gives God more opportunity to minister to us and to minister through us. The Apostle Paul looks at his life and his ministry, and he's just thankful. I do too this morning. I'm just thankful, because I, I know we wouldn't be where we are, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing, if it hadn't been for good, good folks along the way, if it hadn't been for God directly helping us, and then for God sending people to us to help us. We wouldn't, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing. And I look at that, and I'm just thankful. I'm just grateful to God. God, thank you, thank you for what you've done and for what you are doing and for what you are yet going to do. George Herbert said it best, though, Thou hast given so much to me. Give one more thing, a grateful heart. In this world, we are taught often to believe that we are victims. But when you come to the Word of God, the Word of God says, No, you... you I know there are victims, but when we come to the Word of God, God says, if you'll just stop and think, I've blessed you in a lot of ways. I've given you a lot. I've blessed you in so many ways. And what he desires, I believe, from us is exactly what Paul is doing. Maybe sometime to just stop and say, God, thank you. God, thank you for what you've blessed us with. And God, we know we wouldn't be here without you. We wouldn't draw our next breath without you. You hold us in your hand, but you are so good to us. You let us wake up this morning. You let us come into your house today. You let us read from your word. Your spirit has fellowshiped with us. And God, we can look back over life and think of all the times that you have helped us. And when we didn't see a way, you made a way for us. And God, this morning, we just want to pause and say thank you. Thank you. Let's pray. Father God, thank you this morning. 
God, I thank you that not only do you provide for the church planner, but God, you provide for those who help. God, you provide for those of us this morning in so many ways. Directly, you intervene. You send people to us. But God, at the end of the day, you bless us. You provide for us. And this morning, we just want to say to you, God, thank you. From the bottom of our heart, with all that we are, God, we thank you this morning. Lord, I ask now that you will bless this church family in this community. And Lord, I pray that you will help us to be a grateful people. So that, Lord, when we do go out and minister to those in our community, whether we do it in the community or whether we do it here, I pray that we can do it with a smile on our face and a grateful heart, realizing that you have been good to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Brother Aaron, you come and close service as you.